0: LA is vast, vibrant, simultaneously stunning, as well as challenging and confusing. At Together LA, this city is our passion. We know that loving LA well starts with listening, pounding the pavement in search of the individuals invested in the flourishing of Los Angeles. These are the inspiring stories and real life interviews with the men and women who work to bring the gospel to LA in their unique ways. Thanks for joining us as we bring you closer to the heart of LA, one story, one voice, one neighborhood at a time. We are Tommy and JoJo, and this is the Together LA Listening Tour.
1: All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Listening Tour, which is Together LA's podcast. And I am here with Johanna Tropiano. Johanna, welcome.
2: Thank you. Hi, everyone.
1: Johanna has been my co host. And now, this is our second episode that we have in the canons. We're learning to navigate through all of these stories of these wonderful people. Johanna.
2: It's (laughs) awesome. I am so excited because I'm growing with every single interview that we do. So, selfishly, I'm excited.
1: You know, as before I introduced our uh, guest today, Nicole Rivas, is Nicole and Johanna are, we call our podcast the Listening Tour. Because we really believe that we are students of the city, that God is at work in the city. God has been doing something since day one when he created Los Angeles. Our job is not to put our plans together, but listen to what God is doing and hear what he's doing and how we can come alongside and partner with what his existing plans are. So, Nicole, you fit exactly as someone we want to talk with because of your presence and your role here in Los Angeles. So welcome, Nicole. Well,
3: thank you. Hello, everybody out there listening. And hey, hello, pre- Tommy and Joanna.
1: Thank and you. Johanna,
3: sorry. Uh-huh.
1: For those who may not know, uh, Nicole is the executive pastor for Inner City Women of Faith and an ordained elder with Spirit of Life Christian Ministries. But also another thing that Nicole is for over 20 years, she practiced law. And so we're going to have a wonderful conversation of her life in law, and then from that point transitioning to ministry and even life in Los Angeles as well too. But before we do, hey, Nicole, let me ask you, what does a day-to-day look like these days in the midst of this pandemic?
3: (laughs) In the midst of the coronavirus? Well, um, it depends on the day, but uh, okay. So let me add something to my bio. In addition to um, those other things, I'm also a landlord. (laughs) <laughs> OK. Yeah. Of, of, yes. Of 24 lovely families. So on a day to day, some days it's it's helping out in that arena, um, making sure things are running smoothly and so forth. Wow. And, wow. Yeah. And mediating disputes and that kind of thing in that arena of my life. And then other days, uh, it is spending some time with both of my parents who are in their 80s. Yeah. And, and then also writing. I'm doing quite a bit of writing, and we're doing our own podcast at Inner City Women of Faith called Real Talk for Women of Faith.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And we're working on that. So it's, it's shuffling from day to day, depending on which thing is the priority that day. Wow. I would love to
2: know, just digging into that a little bit more, Nicole, how do you, how do you make all of that happen? You know, that's a lot of plates spinning at once. And, you know, from, from somebody, you know, myself, I have a couple of different jobs and and a couple of different plates spinning as well. And, and I find it really hard for me to, to, um, to stay focused
3: and to jump from one to How do you do that? I need I need to learn. <laughs> well I do it perfectly and I have perfect time management skills and, and nothing ever falls through the cracks, ever. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. So um, the realness. <laughs> now let's get down to real. Uh you know what? Uh, I'll give you two answers. One, how I should do it, and one, how it actually happens. But I'll start with, when I first started practicing law, um, I had an awesome boss. And he sat sat me down one day, and he said this to me. He said, look, I'm a husband, I'm a father, and I'm a lawyer. All three of those are 24-hour jobs. So you tell me how you do three 24-hour jobs in one 24 hour period. You can't. Yeah. So what you have to do is that you constantly have to shift between them on whichever one is yelling the loudest at the time. Got it. And you have to accept that when I'm being the lawyer I need to be, I'm probably not being the best husband or best father I need to be. And when I'm being the best father I need to be, I'm probably not being the best lawyer I need to be. And he said, you will have a lot less misery in life if you give yourself permission for that. Got it. And you communicate that to the people around you so that they don't feel like you're just ignoring them. They understand that you're shifting. So between communicating with those around you and giving yourself permission to sometimes have to put something on the back burner you get it done you get it done and then the only thing i would add for me personally which i don't always do um but i need to do is if i actually make god a priority first it seems like he moves everything in place and things are like adjusted and i get through a lot more than i thought i would You know, I get wisdom, I get ideas. People call me up out of nowhere and volunteer to help me with something, and it's less pushing uphill. But a lot of times, because of my long list, I I neglect that part, and I find that it's harder. You know, you think giving up that time um, will make it easier, but in my experience, it makes it harder.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hey, going with what Johanna was saying, Nicole, have you always found that you enjoy doing multiple projects at once? Is that how you've always been wired?
3: Let me see. No, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I never have. I'm, I'm one of those hyper-focused people that I want to sit down and spend 10 hours doing one thing. Um, that's when I'm most comfortable, but that's just not life. So it, it's actually going against my nature to be able to do multiple jobs balls at once.
2: And not only is that not life, but in the midst of this pandemic, it's created even more chaos. You yes. know? And because everything that we have, the ways that we have worked, the ways that we have done things before have all been completely uprooted. Yes. So that even has added another layer onto that. But um, man, everything that you're saying is so good. And it's um, super, super encouraging to hear hear you say it. And also just to, to to mention that we have to give ourselves grace, you know, and I think that you said that in
3: so many words, but grace is so important. It's so important, at least for me, because I discovered that when you're not giving yourself grace, you're actually less efficient Hmm. because it's, it's just like, you know, your computer where it's doing an upload in the background, how it slows down your whole computer. When you're having that guilt upload happening in the back of your brain of all the things you're not doing and aren't you a horrible person and you need to be a better wife or you need to be a better mother, or I need to be a better this or whatever, when that program is running in the back of your head, you're actually slowing down what you're trying to accomplish. And so it's so important to be able to close that program and give yourself grace that I'm doing the best I can. Yeah.
1: yeah. Hey, Nicole, let me ask you a little question. Turn, let's go back a little bit to your time when you were practicing law as a lawyer. When you first, what made you initially go into law? And specifically, talk specifically what area you were uh, uh, majoring in terms of law, practicing in.
3: Um, what area I was majoring in before I started practicing? Is that the question just for clarity? Okay. Um, well, I'll answer the first part. What made me go into law? You know what? Um I cannot tell you clearly. As far as I know from about late high school, it was the plan. It just it was so the plan that I can't tell you when the Mm -hmm. aha moment was or. Why it was, it just was the assumed plan in my heart. So mm-hmm. um, so that was the plan. All the way through college, it was getting to law school. And then once you get in law school, the way law school works, you don't really major. Um, some people specialize, or but that just basically means they take extra classes in this or another. But for the most part, it's general study. And then, when I got out, the year I got out, the most important thing was not doing what you wanted to do. It was getting a job. Mm. <laughs> getting a job and paying back those thousands of dollars in student loans. So, uh, but God is good. He directed me to the firm that was perfect for me. I didn't realize that at first. Um, when I first got out, I was doing environmental law, which I hated because if you know anything about a large segment of the lawyer population is that we are horrible at math and science, which is why we become lawyers and not doctors. <laughs> and, and environmental law was a lot of math and science. Mm-hmm. And so that was a little bit of struggle for me. And then one day someone showed up in my office and said, hey, we got an employment case. You think you can work on it? And I said, sure, why not? And I started working on it and it was like, the skies parted and the angels started singing. <laughs> it was like, yes, this I can do, this I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And and that was how I started with employment law. And I practiced almost exclusively employment law, I'd say for about 17, 18 years of the 21 years I was practicing.
1: God.
3: So,
2: yeah, I think that that's so fascinating to me to, to hear your passion for law and, and um, employment law. Um, but also at some point during this time, you, you went and got your MDiv at Fuller. Yeah. You have since transitioned into full-time ministry. So I'm curious to know what has caused you to walk away from law, which I guess you're still doing some with being a landlord. Um, But (laughs) what caused you to walk away from that and and focus full time on ministry, especially Um, clearly passionate about it?
3: Yeah, well, gosh, Okay, I'm going to try to make a long story really short. Um, It started about my seventh or eighth year practicing law. Um, every time I would go to the movies or see a television show or even watch a commercial where someone was actually doing something for people in the world, I would have this feeling like I'm not doing anything for the world that matters, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm saving corporations money, which matters to the corporation, but I'm not doing anything for the least of these. That's how I felt. I'm not doing anything for the least of these. And that felt pretty empty. So I um, went through a season of prayer and fasting trying to ask, okay, God, what's my purpose? What's my point for being on the earth? Um, How do I flow in my kingdom assignment? I didn't have that language then, but that basically was what I was asking. And Eventually, after a season of prayer and fasting, I got a pretty clear confirmation that it was to write and teach. Hmm. That's where I was supposed to be going. And I was so excited to have an actual purpose that for a year, I never asked like, okay, then how do I get from being a lawyer <laughs> to writing and teaching, how do I get there? I was just so excited to have a purpose for my existence. I never asked about the transition, mm-hmm. right? So, um, and it, jump in here anytime if you have any questions. No, I love it. <sighs> okay. So, so then after about a year, that nagging feeling came back because it was like, okay, great. I know I have some purpose. But I'm still not doing it. Like, how do I get there? And that's when I heard, okay, you should go to seminary. Yeah. And I was convinced that was the devil. <laughs> I, just, I was just, I just knew that was the enemy. I was like, oh no, no. I paid off my student loans. I've done the poor student thing. Oh, no, no. And I know my Bible. I don't need to go to seminary. Okay, that was not God. That was a trick of the enemy. (laughs) And I said no to that, I think, for another year.
2: Mm.
3: And, and, And I kept praying and praying. And God was constantly, I just constantly felt the confirmation that, no, you need to go to seminary. And you're not going to get some other instruction because you didn't like the first one. (laughs) That's not going to (laughs) happen. So eventually I realized, okay, that's the direction I need to go. And once I made the decision that that's the direction I needed to go, believe it or not, I was frozen in inaction for another year. I was so terrified of what that meant. And I always thought of myself as a very humble person. So I was surprised by the stuff that started popping up at that point. Mm -hmm. I was afraid of what my family would think. I was afraid of what my friends would think. I was afraid of whether I was crazy, you know, like I'm hearing from God. Am I nuts? You know, people don't hear from God. Am, Am I crazy? um, all of that. And then I started having, cause I had started doing a little ministry. And I also realized this, I think I've told you this before, Tommy, that when, if I'm in a room and I say, Oh, I'm a corporate lawyer, people say, Oh wow, really? And then they want to have all kinds of conversation with me. Right. And they're so impressed that that's what I do. When I say I'm a minister, they have a deer caught in the headlights look on their face, and they want to get away from me as fast as they can. And I I said I was thought I was a humble person, so I thought that wouldn't matter to me, but when I thought about really having to give up law, having to give up that people are impressed with what I do and become someone that people want to get away from, that was hard. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
3: That was really hard. And I struggled in that space. I struggled about how am I gonna support myself? All, those, all those questions for a year kept me stuck. And then finally it was like, you know what? I'm not happy where I am. It's scary where I'm going because I don't know where it is, but I can stay safe and unhappy or I can take the leap and hope God knows what he's doing. So I took the leap and I started saving money, started paying off all my bills because I, I assumed I wouldn't have an income. So I started doing all of that. And two weeks before I was going to quit, I randomly heard, overheard a conversation about one of the lawyers at the firm who had started working on a contract basis. So they would work a certain amount of hours and build them, but they weren't a full-time employee. And so I thought, oh. So I went into my boss's office and I said, well, I'm here to quit. And he said, yeah, we knew that I, that was coming. I said, because I'm going to seminary. He said, yeah, we knew that was coming too. And I said, but I heard this about, you know, doing contract work. Think I can do that? And my boss said, we'll do anything you want us to do. Go ahead. Go ahead. We'll work it out. And I went from an unclear, how am I going to support myself? How am I going to pay for seminary? To I knew exactly how it was going to happen. And then I got through five years of seminary without a single loan, paid for it all cash, worked all the way through, and graduated on the other side. Got it, got it. What was funny, it made me think of, you know, the story of the River Jordan, how it didn't part until they put their feet in the water. Mm -hmm. It was like that, that I had to Mm -hmm. struggle with the fear, make the decision, do everything. And it wasn't until I put my feet in the water that it parted and I could see the provision. Yep. And then went through five years of seminary. Got to the other side, when I was about to graduate, it, r- Graduate, there was anxiety again, because the other part of the plan still wasn't clear. <laughs> and I had a wonderful professor who said, trust the process, <laughs> just trust the process. So for a few years, uh, I'd say about two years, I went back to practicing law, doing ministry simultaneously. And then eventually God was like, okay, it's time to leave law completely.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: And that was about three years ago, going on four. And it's the best decision I ever made. I've never had a bill that wasn't paid. I have more peace than I've ever had. I have more joy than I've ever had. I'm traveling more than I ever was able when I was working. And my only regret is that I wasted so much time in fear.
1: Mm, Got it. Yeah. Now, Nicole, even with your, you mentioned at the beginning of the interview, dad, you are the landlord to 20 something families is that also where the house came just an investment to help provide some income was that one of your strategies as well too
3: no it actually wasn't that is a blessing of my parents (laughs) (laughs) those are my parents investment over the years and once i retired they were like hey Want to take this over? <laughs> we'll even pay you to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and it became another source of provision for me and also a blessing for my parents.
1: Yeah, very nice. Hey, Johanna, Nicole, let me ask you a question. And this ties in with what Nicole was sharing. For some of those guys who are listening to this podcast, they're at a crossroads. Some, they don't know where to go. Johanna, you've made that decision with the jobs that you transition in. How do you, what's your advice for those who say, how do I know what God is calling me to do versus I've just convinced myself that this is God's will because I really want it? How do you tell the difference? Johanna, Nicole, um, what were your thoughts?
3: <laughs> Go ahead, Johanna. <laughs> oh,
2: That's a, I mean, I think that, you know, for me, it it became pretty clear, you know, with my story, which I've told several times of being in corporate America and then being on an airplane and meeting a man who, who told me he was going down there to, to have sex with little girls, you know, that became a very aha moment for me that God was now redirecting, um, the calling that, he, that I had felt in my life, similar to you, Nicole, being in pharmaceutical sales. I was never, I was never, I never felt whole. Because I knew that there was all of this stuff going on over here that, um, that I couldn't engage in. And I wanted to engage in it full time. Um, and so I just kind of throughout my life, I look for, I call them altar moments. Um, it just seems to be that just sort of out of nowhere, there's this altar standing right in front of me. Another one recently for me was um, in 2018, going into prison at Chowchilla. And getting to share my story and um, getting to interact with, you know, some 600 women um, in the prison at Chowchilla and hearing their stories and realizing these are the survivors and victims of abuse. And that was another altar. That was another aha moment for me where God then began to redirect um, a calling in my life. So I think for me, it's just always been listening And, and that flow that you talk about, um, that you were talking about, like being open to the flow and not holding on to not allowing your calling to become your identity, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. holding those things loosely and looking for where God is working and then moving into that, um, in whatever way it looks like. That's the best I can come up with in two seconds.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty good.
1: Any additional um, thoughts, Nicole?
3: Um, I think she's spot on the money. Um, listening is the key, but uh, absolutely. And, and allowing yourself to flow in that space. And you do get to a point, you might not know how everything's going to fit together, but it feels right. You feel anchored in that thing. And so the only thing I would add, I would add three things. One, take your time. Unless God has given you a deadline, there is no urgency. And I think people create a false sense of urgency and they rush ahead and they don't take the time to really make sure they're hearing God and getting the full download. Um, Two, I would say deal with your stuff. Deal with your stuff. If you, Amen. yeah, if stuff starts coming up for you, ego stuff, childhood stuff, whatever starts coming up for you as you're taking your time, deal with that. That is, that is the whole taking the plank out of your eye so you can see clearly. So you can even see yourself clearly and what God is saying to you clearly. And then number three is wait for the full instructions, because I know a lot of people who heard the call, but then there was other instructions they needed to get on how to prepare yourself, how who to connect with, how, yeah. and and they didn't wait for those, and then the transition was rockier than it needed to be. Yeah.
2: Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that,
3: oh, am I echoing? I think you're okay.
2: I think sometimes, no, I'm definitely echoing. Do I not echo guys? Yeah, do I yeah
3: a little bit. You're
2: cutting in and out a little bit. That's it. Hello, hello? Yep. There you go. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, I think to add to that, sometimes what I have seen in, in the years that I've done ministry is a lot of times people are called to ministry because we have overcome something. We've been hurt. We've been abused. Mm-hmm. And now we want to give back but we're not in that healthy place yet, as you've said. So the call might be there, and that might be the direction to your point that God is pointing you to, but you, it's so true, you have to really deal with your stuff because if you have not dealt with your stuff, your your call, you're stepping into that call can create a lot of pain mm. for the people that you're trying to serve. And I have seen that happen countless times, and it also leads to burnout. Um, yes, and so that that you know, search for equipping and that um, waiting for the instructions. I think is so key, and then constantly listening, you know, so that you Thank don't you harm in in the way that you want to help, you know.
1: Sure. Yeah. Or true. Nicole, one of the things I heard you say is that when you approach your boss to quit and ask for a contract. He says, we will work with you on any way you can. But prior, before that you were wrestling, trying to figure out seminary law, whatever it is, but you probably still did a very good job in your job. You probably still were one of the best lawyers. That's why your boss allowed you to do that. And sometimes people fail to realize you gotta be faithful to where God has placed you right now until he leads you to the next step. And by doing such a good job and being a contractor allowed you to have the runway to move on to the next step?
3: Um, yes and no. <laughs> the reason I say yes is because I must have been doing something right for um, my boss to, to be willing to keep me on. But I have to say too, just because I know a lot of people out there struggle with stuff, And I don't want them to feel like God can't work with me unless I'm perfect. I will tell you, my bosses will tell you in a minute, I have deadline issues. (laughs) I struggle with time management. (laughs) And you know what? God's grace and favor on me meant that I got blessed despite the areas in which I struggle. So yes, absolutely. I do believe I agree with you. 100% It's important to be faithful where you are, but never think that because, um, you're struggling with some of your faults that God can't bless you and show you favor, even with your faults.
1: You got it. You got it. Got it. Hey, uh, Johanna, go ahead.
2: Well, I was just going to say, I would love to transition just a little bit because I know we don't have a ton of time left, but I would love to um, hear more about Inner City Women of Faith. So can
3: you talk to us about that? Okay. Um, Inner City Women of Faith, uh, we exist to empower women and girls. Um, That's the focus of our ministry. We do that primarily through um, teaching um, and we have a podcast of our own called Real Talk for Women of Faith. Um, can I plug where they can find us? For, yes, for that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, All of they, it in um, we'll the podcast as well. Okay, so you can find uh, Real Talk for Women on Faith on YouTube, on Instagram and Facebook. Just search Real Talk for Women of Faith. And um, our idea or our concept is that we want to talk about spirituality and real things of spirituality in a way that people, oh, I apologize, in a way that people are maybe not getting it at their churches, right? So, um, because, and, and this is not a criticism of churches, but in churches, you have to speak to a wide audience. You have to speak to everyone from the five-year-old to the 90-year-old, right? And all levels of spiritual development in between. So a lot of times people are not getting what they specifically need because churches are addressing a broader audience. We wanna narrow in on women. We wanna narrow in on women of faith and we wanna narrow in on people who are looking for the next level of spiritual development, who wanna go deeper. And that narrow focus allows us to tailor our teachings to really hit at the heart of people who are in that journey and in that category.
1: Got it, got it. Hey, last question as we wrap up, Nicole, even with what you just said, why do you do the things that you do as we wrap up? What is your hope by working with this group that you have for LA, and you have for the gospel president LA. What is the hope that you want to achieve with what you're doing?
3: My hope is twofold. Um, one, that a lot of Christians are frustrated. They have their faith, but they, they feel like it's not as deep or, or not working for them in the way they want to. And I want to invite Christians into a deeper place of faith that uplifts you and upholds you and gets you through the tough times. And then I want the people who are uplifted in that way and who have built that fire of faith within them to be able to then flow in their purpose outward and to then inspire others who then can become a force of movement. So my idea is touch the sheep that I'm called for. So those sheep can touch the sheep that they're called for.
1: Very good. Very good. Nicole, we're out of time, but Nicole, we're going to have to catch up soon. Nicole Rivas, Johanna, thank you for your time. Thank Thank
3: you. Thanks, guys.
1: Hey, for more information on Together LA, go to TogetherLA.net. That's TogetherLA.net. So Nicole, Johanna, we're going to have to catch up again soon and looking forward to our next conversation.
3: All right, me too. Bye, guys. Have a good day. Bye, Bye, everyone.
0: (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Together LA Listening Tour. To stay connected, make sure you subscribe to the Together LA channel, rate and review this episode, and make sure to share on your social media platforms. We would love for you to follow along with Together LA on Instagram, Facebook, and our website at www.togetherla.net. See you next time.